Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Listen, I'm going to let you sit down here in just a few minutes, but right now, if you will, take your Bible and turn with me, please, to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1. 1 Samuel, chapter 1. going to try not to be long this morning. Try not to. But I've just got this this burden on my heart uh, for this word this morning and it's it's a little bit different we've been <coughs> we've been plowing some some ground here past few weeks and uh, it's been hard probably been harder on you than it has on me but we've been plowing this ground and uh, breaking up some hard ground and talking about repentance, the need for repentance, the need for brokenness in our lives. And uh, our culture today is so laxed in standards and uh, we're so laxed in, in morals and, and things like that. And, and so God has just been dealing with us over the past several weeks about repentance that repentance is the path to revival. If you want revival, repentance is your first stop. It's got. It's not only your first stop, but it's a it's a, a constant stop that you're going to have to make and uh, deal with your flesh and things like that. And the other day, uh, as I was praying and and I was uh, seeking God, and the Lord just began to deal with me that that we're about to, to transition into another uh, season. Uh, uh, there's another season that we're about to move into, and, and we've been talking about the seasons and uh, the things that, uh, how the seasons change and how uh, your spiritual, the, the spiritual climate of your life uh, is constantly changing. And uh, you go... You're, you're good today, and, and tomorrow you might be down in the valley. And there's some of you here this morning that yesterday you were up on the clouds and you were singing the praises of God, and, and but today you, you woke up this morning and you feel like the world's against you. But don't let, don't let that cause you to think that God doesn't love you. Don't let that cause you to think that God doesn't care because God uses seasons. It's Listen, agriculture depends on seasons if it wasn't for seasons we would have no farmer <clears throat> we would never be able to harvest a crop because the season uh the season that we go through uh prepares the ground and prepares nature uh for the crop and for the seed so don't get frustrated about the season that you're in just know today that god is with you in that season 
and that he's going to take care of you and he's going to be with you. doesn't matter how I feel. My feelings doesn't change God. My circumstance doesn't dictate whether God is alive or not. Amen? God is the God of my circumstance, and he's the God of my situation, and he knows where we are, and he knows what we're going through today. So I want you just to rejoice today because I believe that God is about to change seasons in your life. I believe there's some things today that God's about to do and that, that, that our, we're going to see uh, our lives shift into another season. So I want to bring you this message this morning because I believe today that this message, this word today is the, is the, the step one or the opening of the door of what God is wanting to do. And, uh, and the title, I'm, I'll just give you the title and it, just prophesy over your emptiness. Prophesy over your emptiness. And that word prophesy uh, means to declare. It means to proclaim. It means to speak uh, the word of God over a situation in your life. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but this morning as uh, Sandy was walking and she was talking about that, uh, I can't remember exactly, but she was talking about you are the healer and, and you're the provider and, and she, was just, she was prophesying. She was declaring something that was not as though it is, all right? And so I want you to get that understanding that, that when you become a born-again Christian and you begin to read the Word of God and you begin to declare the Word of God over your life, it's not, you don't have, listen, if I've got everything I need, then perhaps I would quit praying about anything. But because I need things, I pray. Because my spirit needs an encounter with God, I pray. And so as I pray, I'm praying for those things that are not right now, and I'm believing that what I pray is going to be done so that 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 I don't have now will come. Amen. Listen, God was speaking to uh, Abraham, uh, speaking about Abraham in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. That's not where we're going to re- uh, preach from, but uh, Paul said this, as it is written, uh, I have made thee a father of many nations, talking about God speaking to Abraham. Uh, and he said, uh, before him whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead, and calls those things which be not as though they were. So God is a God that quickens the dead. In other words, he makes alive the dead places. And God looks into my life, and he calls those things that are not right now in my life, he calls them as though they were. That's pretty awesome right there. I'm going to say that one more time because some of y'all missed your opportunity to say amen right there. God is looking into your life right now, and God knows what you need. If your life is void of joy, if your life is void of, of health, if your life is void of peace, God is looking into your life, and this is what God is saying. He's looking at Chris Rodriguez. 
Chris got a need in his life. And God is looking and saying, I have already spoken that need to be met in your life. I'm calling it, you don't know it yet, but because I'm God, I'm saying that need has already been dealt with even before you know anything about it. That's, that's my God, amen. That's my God. I tell you what, y'all just go ahead and sit down, all right? We just go ahead and sit down, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this thing up. Listen, there's a cry in every individual in this room today. There's a part of you. It doesn't matter if you're born again or it doesn't matter uh, if, if you're lost uh, as can be. There's a cry in your spirit today for something greater than what you're experiencing right now. There's a cry in the Christian's heart today, God send revival, because we're looking out at our culture and we're seeing all the things that are going on in our culture. And so we're saying, God, send revival. Send a move of your, of your spirit into, into our nation today. There are people this morning that, that uh, woke up on a street corner that have no idea who God is, but they woke up this morning and there's something inside of them that's crying out for something greater. We need revival. And uh, I was reading yesterday and I came across uh, Psalm 12 in verse 1 and I, I just want to talk to you for just a few minutes, all right? And I came across Psalm 12 in verse 1 and uh because sometimes I get, I, I get to feeling as a pastor uh, when I, because I'm, I'm from A to Z and, and the emotion, on the emotional level, dealing with the emotions of people and even my own emotions, I go from A to Z. Uh, I, can, I can be uh, marrying somebody at 9 o'clock in the morning and burying somebody at 2 o'clock that afternoon. So it's emotions from A to Z. And, and you're around people that are joyful, and then you're around people uh, that are hopeless and have lost everything they ever had. And, and so those emotions are up and down, and, and you're dealing with all kinds of things and things of our culture that's wanting to come into the church, that's wanting to come against the body of Christ. And, and uh, the other day I was in one of those moments in my life and I just looked up and I said God is there anybody that is hungry for you is there anybody God that has a heart that is pure before you that that desperately wants you in their lives and and so that was kind of the thought that I was in because of the things that I'd had to deal with and, and all of that and and I came across Psalm 12 and verse 1 and he says help the first word in that psalm is help, Lord. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity to everyone with his neighbor and with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. And sometimes it seems that we're surrounded by people that have lost their way and we're surrounded by even a church culture that has so opened up and so compromised to all the things in the world and the culture that, that they've lost 
the, the cry. They've lost the hunger and the thirst for a move of God in their lives. Jeremiah said, ask for the old path. Ask for the old way and go back to the old way. And there, uh, he said, you will find God. And it seems like in our culture today that, that we're more, uh, more uh, desirous of, of a, an assembly line. We can come into church and get a few songs and, and get a blessing from the pastor and go back out and live like we want to. But, guys, I want to tell you this morning that I believe today that God is saying, I want to do something greater than just the status quo in your life. I want, I want to speak into your life, and I want to be real in your life. And the psalmist looked up, and he said, God, is there anybody that is seeking you? Is there anybody that's got a heart that's desirous of you? And he looked around and he said, I see people that are double-minded and, and they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. They're talking Jesus here and then over there they're telling a dirty joke or, or they're talking God over here and on the other side they're gossiping about their neighbor and they're over here, they're building somebody up and over there they're tearing them down. And the psalmist said, God, is there anybody is there anybody that will seek you? So this story that I'm going to talk to you about this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 1 is a story of Hannah and Elkanah. But this story is kind of painted on the backdrop of the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel was in a place of religious and moral decay and decline. The religious system of that, of that moment had compromised. And the moral, the morals of the people had sunk to an all-time low. And the, t the nation of Israel was in a situation to where they were in need of revival. They were in need for God to, to move. It was such a point that in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1, that the Bible says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no widespread revelation. In other words, it was a time... When Hannah and Elkanah, the, when they came into the picture, it was a time when the nation of Israel had sunk to an all-time low. The word of God was no longer going forth. There was no revelation of God. In other words, uh, God wasn't revealing himself to people anymore. And there was no widespread revelation and there was no fresh word from God. In other words, everything that was coming out of the mouths of the priest and of the people of God was falling on the ground and it was not uh, having any effect and, and there was no freshness that was coming uh, from, from the house of God and, and the nation was in uh, a bad moral decline. And many people would say, well, in that time, let's just throw our hands up and give up because God has God left us and, and there's no hope for us and there's no way uh, that we can ever get back. But I, I want to give you this picture this morning. 
that in the midst of this moral decay, decay and, and, and religious decline uh, in the nation of Israel, and please, under, please hear me this morning, because I want to, this is, this is so important. In the midst of that, the houses of worship were still open on Sunday morning. It didn't mean that because they were in a religious decline and a moral decay, it didn't mean that the temple doors had a sign hanging on it because we are we are in a moral and a religious decline we will not be having services today that's not what it meant it didn't mean that that even inside the temple the priest of that hour was still going in every day and going to the table of showbread and taking off the old bread from yesterday and putting on the new bread which which means and which is a symbol of fresh revelation. The priests were still going in and they were still putting fresh bread on the table every day, but yet there was a religious and moral decline and there was no fresh word from God. Listen, you can have symbolism in your life. You can wear a cross around your neck. That means that that symbolized the, the instrument that Jesus died on, but you can still be in spiritual and moral decline. You see, it didn't mean that there were no sacrifices being offered. As a matter of fact, the sacrifices were still being offered. People were still bringing sacrifices, and there was still a daily sacrifice at the temple. in the temple, but yet, God wasn't there. We need to be careful that our methods and our ways of doing things don't get without God because if you're not careful, you can, you can still go through the motions and you can still raise your hand and you can still sing the songs of amazing grace but be void of the presence of God. See, it was still business as usual. I'm just kind of setting you up for what I'm going to talk about. Still business as usual. The people continue to bring their sacrifices and offerings. And in this story, Eli was the priest. Phineas and Hophni were his sons. And they continued uh, their daily duties in the middle of all, and, and in the middle of all the rituals and routines in the middle of all the, the things that we've done for years and years and years, God had moved out. What I'm saying, guys, is that if we could picture it, it was the house of God where the glory of God had once dwelt but because of the moral and the religious decline and decay, God had, had moved himself away from it, and he was no longer there to bless it. But yet the routines continued. Yet they continued to go through the same motions every day. They continued the sacrifices. They continued their religious prayers, but they were void 
of the presence of God. Listen, it is very dangerous when I get so good at doing church that I can do it without him. It's a dangerous place to get that I get so good and I know the right motion, I know the right ways, and I can do it without God. But in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 1, let's read. And I want you to notice the first phrase of that scripture in King James Version. The Bible says, there was a certain man. Everybody say certain man. There was a certain man. How many of you know that God is looking for certain people? He's not looking for just anybody. He's not looking for just anybody that will blow in off the street. But God is looking for certain people. God is looking for certain people that will be willing to be willing to allow him to do the impossible through. God is looking for certain men that will stand up and be the, be the man of the house. God is looking for certain men that will rise up and lead their wives and their children into the ways of God. God is looking for certain women that will rise up and be the mother and be the wife and be the leader to their children that will bring them to a relationship with Christ. Listen, I believe this morning that every individual under the sound of my voice, you have the potential to be the certain man or the certain woman that God is looking for. But here's the thing. You've looked at yourself through the mirror of culture so long that you've lost your ability to recognize that God is wanting to do something great in you. You've lost your ability that when you look in the mirror now, you see all the scars and all the wounds of yesterday, and you see all your faults and all your failures, and it, and it causes you to look at yourself and say, there's no hope for me. There's no way that God could do this in my life. Life, but I want to declare to you this morning that maybe you need to change mirrors because God looks at you and he sees the, uh, uh, He sees possibility in me. When he looks at me, he saw a certain individual that he was saying, I can use that. And God is looking today in McCullough Christian Center and saying, I see some certain men and some certain women that I want to put my finger on because I want to call you out of the deadness and the dryness and the emptiness that you've been experiencing. You say, but pastor, I'm too old. I've done past the flower of my age. I've passed all the things now and I'm just an old man or an old woman and I've got rheumatoid arthritis and author and all them come to see me on a daily basis and I don't, God can't use me. Can I tell you something this morning? It doesn't matter how old you are. As long as there's breath in your body, you can be an instrument for almighty God. As long as there's a breath and a heart heartbeat in you. Listen, you can get up and do something for God. There's no excuse in the kingdom of God because God is not concerned about how old you are. God is not concerned about how young you are. All God is saying is I'm looking for that certain one. That certain one. 
Um, What's going to bring revival is a certain individual. What's going to bring an awakening in your life is when you realize that I am the certain one. I am the one that God can use. I am the one that God can feel. I am the one that's empty before God, so God will use me. Let's read this scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 1. And verse 1, there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. Everybody say Elkanah. The son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, Zuth the son, son the Zuth. All right. But he was an Ephrathite. <laughs> Being a man of few words, I should have just said Alcana was an Ephrathite, and we could have got on through that. But he had two wives. Everybody say, Bless him. The name of the one was Hannah, the name of the other was Penana, and Penana had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man, Elkanah, used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day that when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penana, his wife, and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion because he loved her. Though the Lord had closed her womb, and her rival or her adversary, Penana, used to provoke her grievously to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Here's the story. Elkanah. I've, I've, I've talked about and i preached this, this passage of Scripture many times over the years, but I've never recognized what I, I recognized last week about this story. Because God had been dealing with me for the past several weeks on the birthing of revival and prophecy. Not prophecy like you would think about in Revelation, but prophecy that you speak out of your mouth, that word of encouragement, that word of exhorting, that word of declaring, the prophetic word. I've told you this before, that my desire as a pastor is to be able to preach prophetically. And that means that I want to preach the word of God uh, 
to the point that it hits you as an individual right where you are right now. Not necessarily something that you might need two months down the road. That'll be great. But I want to preach, God, I want to preach what they need right now. I want to hit you where you are right now. I want to preach a word that, that will zip into your spirit that will raise you up right now. I want to be able to declare the word of God in such a way that you walk out of here and say, my goodness, he must have been in my living room last week because he read my mail. That's my desire and, and that's my goal that I can read your mail. Not me, but, but Holy Spirit can, can speak into your life and get in your life where God can deal with who you are and where you are and what's going on in your life. And, and so I was, I was praying along that area, and, and God drew me to this passage, and I said, but God, uh, you know, that doesn't line up with what I've been thinking about prophecy and, and birthing and all that. And he said, you need to read it about three more times, and I'm going to speak something to you in it. So I began to read. As I began to read, God began to speak into my heart about this subject, about prophesy over your emptiness. You see, remember, I said earlier, the nation of Israel was in a spiritual and moral decline. But God found a certain man. And if you notice in that story, the Bible says that Elkanah, every year, he was faithful to go to the temple and offer sacrifices. He was faithful. The, the Bible doesn't say that he was some super Christian but that he was just faithful in going to the house of God and offering sacrifices. I don't know why God chose Elkanah and Hannah, but he chose them. And I, I can't help but think that maybe God chose him because of his faithfulness to the house of God. God didn't have to look up and say, where is Elkanah today? But when God looked up, there was Elkanah. And it wasn't only Elkanah, but Elkanah brought his family. He brought his wives. He brought his sons and daughters, and he was faithful to the house of God. But the Bible says that during this time that, that of all the, the religious decline, that, that Hannah was barren. Everybody say barren. In other words, she was not able to bear children. She was barren. And the Bible says that it was from the Lord that God had, had closed her womb so that she could not bear children. She was empty. Can I tell you something? That my need is God's opportunity. Your need is God's opportunity to do something great in your life. Hannah was barren, and her, her womb was void of what it had been created to carry. During that time, it was considered to be a curse when a woman couldn't have children. And the emptiness of her womb had become the opportunity for her adversary, Panana, to mock and provoke her to the point that Hannah was oppressed and living in misery. So get that picture. Here's Hannah with an empty womb, not able to bear children, and here's Elkanah, her husband. The Bible says this, that, that as Elkanah 
would come to the feast, and they would come and they would bring their feast, uh, uh, their sacrifice, and this was peace offerings that they were bringing in, and they would bring, the, the husband would bring this peace offering, and he would bring it to the temple, and he would slay the offering. If it was a lamb or whatever, they would slay the lamb. And the priest of that, of that time would take a small portion of the lamb and keep it as an offering. And he would return the rest of it back to the one who had offered it. So in other words, if Elkanah brought a lamb, the priest would take maybe a leg quarter and he would give the rest of it back to Elkanah. Elkanah would then in turn take it and make a feast for his family. And he would make this feast, and it was a feast of celebration. They would come together as a family, and they would celebrate uh, the peace that they had with God. And so what Elkanah would do during this feast, he would take portions of the lamb, and he would distribute it to his family members. And he would give Penina a certain portion. And he would give her sons and daughters certain portions of this sacrifice. But when he got to Hannah, the Bible says that he would give Hannah a double portion. He would give Hannah a double portion. I began to pray about that, and I began to say, God, what are you trying, something there you're trying to show me. And God began to deal with me that, that Elkanah was prophesying to Hannah. He wasn't coming out and speaking words that we know of, but he was prophesying to Hannah by giving her a double portion. Let me bring it down to simply where we can understand it today. If I took my little family, my wife and my two daughters, and Justin, he's, he's always with us, so he's, he's part of us. So, uh, if I were to take them to McDonald's, and we were to go to McDonald's and I would order a hamburger for each one of them. But say, for example, Judy. Just kind of stay with me. This is just off my head, okay? But say, for example, that Judy was barren. And, and uh, boy, this is uh, whew, about stepping into something I don't need to step in right there, but. So I'm, I'm going to just kind of back up a little bit, but we're going to continue on with the hamburgers, all right? <clears throat> so <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> Judy not even looking at me right now. She said, you're about to dig you a hole. She's scribbling on the paper over there, Sister Ruth. She acts like she's taking notes, but she's scribbling, all right? But... But just say, for example, that Judy's barren in a certain area of her life. And I, as her husband, I know that. And I know that she has desperately been praying for God to do a miracle in her life in that area. 
And so uh, we're, we're sitting there at McDonald's, so I get a hamburger for Braley, get a hamburger for Ashley, and a hamburger for Justin. And then I come to Judy, but I get Judy two hamburgers. See, you see the hamburger, but what I'm doing is, is I'm getting an extra hamburger to feed that barren place. I'm getting an extra hamburger because I know that when God fills that empty place in her life, there's going to be another mouth at the table. Do you understand what I'm saying? Elkanah gave uh, Hannah, his wife, a double portion. In other words, he gave her enough food for two because he was declaring that I am feeding two people here. I'm not seeing but one, but I'm feeding two because I am prophesying by my action that there's going to be another one. It's not here yet, and I don't know how it's going to come. It's going to take a miracle but what I'm doing is I'm planting a double portion into her life so that God will have the opportunity to take the double portion and meet the need that she's got in her life. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what Elkanah was doing is that every time that he would give Hannah a double portion, he was prophesying, I'm going to have a baby by her. There's a child that's going to come out of that womb. She is empty right now. She is barren right now. She's never experienced the birthing of a child, but I am prophesying over her, and I'm declaring by giving her another hamburger that I am going to, she is going to, that womb is going to be filled. Listen, emptiness doesn't always need to be viewed as a deficit. Your worst emptiness can be the breeding ground for your greatest opportunity. So I'm telling you this morning, if there's an empty place in your life that maybe you need to begin to prophesy, quit talking about the emptiness and begin to prophesy the fullness into your life. Quit talking about your deficit and begin to focus on what you have and what God is going to do in your life. Listen, in the, in the book of Judges, chapter 7, you remember this story that, that Gideon, uh, had thousands in his army, and God reduced his army down to just 300 men. And, and God sent him out to fight the battle with the Midianites. And, and God told him, he's, he gave him the strategy uh, of what he wanted them to do. And he divided the 300 men up into three comp companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand which represented the voice of God. And, and then he gave them an empty pitcher. He gave them an empty pitcher that was originally created to hold wine or water, but it was empty. And then he gave them lamps to put in the pitcher. My reasoning is this. Why do you want to take a lamp and put it in a pitcher. 
because the pitcher was created to hold water. But you're saying take a lamp and put it in an empty pitcher so that it cannot be seen. I don't understand that, and I couldn't fathom that. But listen, understand that sometimes we miss what God is wanting to do because God moves out of our way of thinking and God says I'm going to use an object that you think was created for something else but I'm going to put something in it that is going to that's going to be that that will defeat your enemy some of y'all looking at me like a deer in a headlight and you're not understanding what I'm saying. I'm saying that there's some things perhaps in your life that God is saying, I want you to do this, but you're saying, God, I don't understand that because that, that wasn't created, that wasn't made for that. And God said, do what I'm asking you to do, Gideon, and put the lamp in the pitcher. I've already given you a trumpet which represents my voice. Now put the lamp in the pitcher because what you don't know is there's going to be a time at in the point of battle that the picture is going to be broken and that that's in the picture is going to come out and it is going to be the very thing that's going to deal with your enemy. Listen, human nature has a tendency to view the glass as being half empty instead of half full. We have a tendency to look at things and say, uh, it is almost empty when you could say that it is almost full. You say, well, what is the difference? The difference is in two words, emptiness and fullness. So you see, if you continue to see yourself as empty or, or half full, or, or you know what I'm saying. God wants us to recognize that he wants to do something in our lives, and God doesn't need what you got in your hand to do it. Many times in Scripture we see where God's greatest works of grace were birthed out of someone's greatest bareness. The greater the emptiness, the greater the opportunity for God to come and feel. The Bible says about Ruth and Naomi how that Ruth uh, came back into the city after she had lost her two sons and her husband, she came back in with her daughter-in-law, Naomi. She walked into the city and was walking down uh, Main Street there probably. And everybody was looking at Ruth and saying, is that Ruth? Or is that Naomi? I'm sorry. Is that Naomi? She was unrecognizable because of the, the pain and the struggle that she had been through. Life had dealt her misery. She was walking down the street, and everybody said, is that, is that Naomi? That's, that can't be Naomi. And she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me, because I went out full, but I came home empty. But what she didn't know was that her emptiness was the opportunity for God to do something, to birth something through her that was not only going to bless her, but that we 
five, six thousand years later are still talking about what God did through the emptiness of a woman and how he birthed something through her that had an impact on the world. So when you look at yourself and say, I am empty, remember it is God's opportunity to fill you. All right, I got just a few more minutes, and I'm going to be through. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 says this, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I want you to catch that word hunger and thirst, because the hunger and thirst is what I need. All right, it is what I need. Uh, I need to have a hunger for God. I need to have a thirst for God. But if you get that and miss the last part, that Jesus said, "Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled." See what Jesus was doing was declaring something that if I get hungry, and if I get thirsty. Jesus was declaring that I would be filled. But many times my hunger and my thirst is covered up by everything that's going on around me. And I can't get through to where I need to get because of all the circumstances that I'm facing. But I want you to understand today that it is God's desire to fill the empty place in your life. Now the Bible says that Hannah went to the temple and that she was praying, and she was praying out of the bitterness of her heart. And Eli, the priest, spoke to her that God was going to meet whatever need she had. And to make a long story short, the Bible says that Hannah gave birth to Samuel. Samuel was one of the first true prophets that we read about in Scripture. But here's the thing. What she gave birth to gave birth to revival. It started from a husband that recognized there was a barren place in his wife. And he began to prophesy and declare by giving her a double portion. He began to declare that her emptiness would be filled. What he did not know was that God, who is greater, was looking down on the emptiness of that womb and saying, I am going to birth something through her that is going to bring revival back to the temple. God was saying, I'm, going, I'm using, listen, you don't know, ma'am or sir, you don't know that when you were walking in your house 
praying and speaking the word of God over your house, you don't know that what you are speaking out of your mouth, there's a God in heaven that is listening and he is taking notes. And what you are saying, God is saying, I am going to bring that to pass because they are declaring out of their mouth my word. So I am going to make it happen. Here's the thing. God needs an Elkanah that will prophesy over the emptiness that they're around. God needs a Hannah that will get so desperate for God that what somebody else is speaking, God can work it through them. Because it's out of that that God is going to birth a Samuel. And Samuel is one that when he came into the city, knees began to knock together. Because they knew, here comes the prophet of God. He hears from God and he speaks for God. And I told you this message this morning was just the, the, the introduction to I believe what God is going to do and what God is wanting to do. Lord's willing, we're going to stay in the book of 1 Samuel for a little while because here's the thing. I believe God is raising up a prophetic generation. I believe he's raising up prophetic teenagers and youth that are going to begin to declare the word of God. I believe, Isaiah, that God is raising you up, son, to be a prophetic voice for him. I believe that. I believe Destin. I believe he's raising you guys up. I believe he's raising you young ladies up to be a prophetic voice for him that will declare not what you think, but what God thinks. Not your word, but God's word. God's raising that prophetic generation up. And I want you to notice something. That Samuel came on the scene as a prophet, and he began to prophesy. He began to, to walk in that prophetic call, and God began to do some things in Israel. So that's what we want to talk about in the coming weeks about 1 Samuel. Would you stand with me, please? Sister Kathy, would you guys, just the musicians, would you come? I'm, I'm fixing clothes. I'm not going to be long. But here's, here's the thing, guys, that I just want to ask you, is there an emptiness in your life? Is there an emptiness in your heart? Is there a place in your life that is void of the life of God? And you say, Pastor, I just need this place to be filled. Can I tell you something this morning? God wants to fill that empty place. And I don't know what it is. It might be a miracle that you need in your life. But I just want to tell you this morning, that God is wanting to fill that place of emptiness in your life. 
what you've looked at as a deficit, God is saying it's an opportunity for me. What you've looked at and said it's hopeless, God said it's not hopeless. What you've looked at that's caused you shame, God said raise your head up because it's just an opportunity for me to do something great in you. Listen, God is all about filling empty places and dead places. So with your heads bowed this morning, I just want to to ask you today, is there an empty place in your life? Is there a place in your life where you say, Pastor, oh, I need God to come. I need God to come and fill this place. If that's you this morning, just slip your hand up. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And here's what I want to ask you to do this morning. I want to ask you today to pray this prayer that Elkanah did over Hannah. And I want you to say, God, I want to begin to give a double portion in the area that I have the need in. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about devotion to God. God, I am going to begin to pour myself into this area of emptiness. I'm going to begin to arm myself with your word. Now I'm going to begin to speak over my life that this empty place is going to be filled. And I believe today, God, that, that as I begin to do, to do that, and I begin to declare over my life your word, that, Father, that I will give birth. That empty place will be filled in my life. So let me pray with you now. Father, God, in the name of Jesus today. Father, it is you that we come to because you said the hungry would be filled and you said the thirsty would find drink. It is you that we come to this morning and bring our emptiness, Father. We bring the voids in our life. We bring... God, today, the areas of our life that we've struggled in, God, and the areas of our life that, that, Father, have not borne fruit, Father, we bring them to you today. And in the name of Jesus, we ask you this morning, God, as we begin to speak over those areas, God, as we begin to apply your word to those areas, God, we're believing today for healing to come. God, we speak over our lives today that no longer will we see the deficit, but God, we're going to see the opportunity for you to move. No longer are we going to talk about what we don't have, but we're going to talk about what we do have in you. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we give you praise today. We give you honor and glory. We thank you today for the lives that you've touched. We thank you that your word has brought healing and life. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Now, if you will, take your seat for just a moment.